right, so um, <laughs> this is a new series that we started last week. I just didn't have a name for it. Now I do. It's called the Hero Series. I like superheroes. They're kind of cool. So um, the Hero Series. So what I've been doing in, on, on these little tidbits that I do uh, most every morning, most, I said most, um, a couple of mornings did not happen. One I couldn't get on. Um, but anyways, um, I've been going through all the different prayers of these Old Testament um, kings and prophets and, and uh, just everybody's prayers. I've been studying all the prayers of the Bible, and I keep hitting all these different stories, and I just, I love stories. Who doesn't like a story, right? Does everybody like a story, right? So, so we love stories. So anyways, so um, I started looking at all these, these Old Testament characters. Then you think about the book of Hebrews chapter 11, and you have this, what, the, what, what, what I always call the, the faith hall of fame, in Hebrews chapter 11, just by faith this person did this, by faith this person. So you have all of these heroes of the faith, and then the very next chapter, Hebrews 12, it starts off like this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and I started thinking about that, and I was like, wow, we have. And you start reading through the Bible, and you start thinking about all of the heroes of the faith. There's a lot right? I mean, there's tons of heroes of the faith. And so I thought, wow, that's since we've been surrounded. So what, in other words, uh, we have all of these witnesses that have been before us showed us how to live out our faith. They've already done it. So we are surrounded by all of these witnesses to what God is and stands for. Therefore, I can learn from them. So We've been surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. God has marked out a race for you. It's already been laid out and you are to run it with perseverance. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. And I love that. I'm a, an adventurer at heart. So I love hunting. Um, it is something I, I love to do. But it's not just about killing deer. It's about I love to go to places I've never been. I look on a map and I see a chunk of woods and I'm like, I wonder what it looks like in there. So I hunt very light. So I have a little saddle thing that goes around my waist and a couple of sticks and a backpack and my bow. And I'm headed in, just walking into the woods. I just go as far and keep walking until I'm tired of walking. I look up a tree, throw it up there. and I'm like, I wonder what's going to happen. And it's just because it's exciting, it's an adventure. Here's the thing. Jesus is the pioneer of our faith. He's an adventurer too. And he's got an entire adventure out for you. And you know what? It's not an adventure if you don't have some drama in your life from time to time. If there's not some obstacles that you have to crawl over, it's not an adventure. So the thing is, if everything is like, here's a big wide path and there it is, it's super easy, it ain't going to be fun. I don't think so. It's not an adventure, at least. So Jesus is a pioneer, and he's a perfecter of our faith. So he's laid out this, this, this race for us to run on, and it's got all different kinds of good things and some obstacles and some trials and all different kinds of things that come along the way, right? So this is what we're going to do. I don't know how long this sermon series I'm not going to say because then I'll be held to that, and so I'm just going to say I'm going to do this until I stop doing this. How about that? Because, I mean, you know, if you go through every hero of our faith, that'd be like several years. And I'm kind of a squirrel. I'm like, I like, I like change. 
So, but for a while, as long as I feel led in this direction, um, we're going to be looking at these different heroes of the faith. Um, last week, we looked at Abraham. Abraham, if he was, so I'm looking at it like this. What if we were running a race, and we took a lap, and we ran a lap with Abraham? Just jogging, not very fast, but we're just kind of jogging this lap around the track with Abraham we have one lap, Abraham, what would you teach me from your life? And I think what he would have taught us, and one of the things that we can draw from his life was simple obedience. When God says go, you go. When he says where to go, you just go where he tells you. just follow him. Simple obedience. That's what we talked about last week. This week, we're looking at Joseph. Joseph, a story of perseverance. If we were to run around a track one lap with Joseph, I think he would talk about don't you ever, ever, ever give up. Don't you think? Because what I want to do is, is we all remember stories. And maybe some of you today say, I really don't know the story of Joseph. You will. Just don't leave the room. You'll know the story of Joseph. And we're going to see some great things. But this is a story of perseverance. And I put up here Genesis 37 through 45. Here's what I would encourage you to do. If you don't know what you should read in your Bibles this week, and you don't have somewhere to go, now you do. You know, there's eight chapters right there. Go ahead. You give me a thumbs up on my math. I was sitting there going, did I even add that right? I'm sitting there starting to panic already. So anyways, so, you know, you have several chapters. Just keep it that way. Uh, so here's the deal. Here's what perseverance is. By definition, perseverance is a continued effort to do or achieve something despite difficulties, failure, or opposition. I love that. Perseverance is a continued effort. I continue to try. I continue to try despite, no matter that there's difficulties in my way or whether I fail or as there's opposition to what I'm doing. It covers all the bases. When you think about perseverance, he's saying this, you don't quit trying. You don't quit trying even if it's hard. Don't quit trying even if you fall flat on your face. You don't quit trying even when somebody's opposing you. Right? So that's the story we're going to get into today. All right, so first, let's start with this. All right, so, um, and I'm going to, to kind of tell you the story because for me to read eight chapters today would be a little long. Just, I'm just, you know, throwing that out there. Um, we, we could do that. But I think also it's something that you guys can go home and check. So I'm going to tell you some of the stories. I hope that you go back and read all of this. The first thing that I want you to see is this. So Joseph perseveres through a dysfunctional family. You know, what we're going to do is we're going to look at a lot of different things that, that, that really um, most people in this world right now would just quit and give up. So Joseph was 17 years old when God gave him a dream. And God gave him a dream that his brothers and his father would end up bowing down to him. Now, bowing down, when I say that, it's not that his dream was that they would worship him like, like God. It was that he was leading them. Well, he's at this point the youngest or one of the young, there's only Benjamin who's younger than him. So he is, he is one of the youngest sons of the twelve and here's what happens is he's, he's the youngest. In that culture, the oldest led. The oldest got the inheritance. The youngest served 
the oldest. That's how it always was in this culture. So if you were the youngest, you were going to serve the elders. That's how it is. But God gave him a dream and says, you're going to lead everyone, even your father. So he tells his brothers, maybe he shouldn't have done this, but he told his brothers his dream, and his brothers hated him. So you find this in Genesis 37, 6 through 11. He tells them the the dream, and it says his brothers hated him. So he was hated by his brothers. He had another dream that included his father, and then his father rebuked him. His father sent him out to go check on his brothers as they were tending the flock of sheep. And they saw him from a long ways off, and they said, you know what? We hate that guy. I hate him. Yeah, I totally hate him too. Let's kill him. That escalated pretty quickly. Right? So, Reuben, probably the level-headed one of the group, he says, let's not kill him. Let's throw him in this pit instead. So, they, they grabbed their brother. I want you to think about this. Brother. It's, it's not, this isn't a, a blended family at this point. It's not a, a stepbrother. This is your flesh and blood. They grab him and throw him into a pit while they decide how we're going to kill him. That's, that's a pretty big deal. That, I mean, that's a dysfunctional family, right? I mean, most of us would say, man, you know, some of us olders would go, you know, like, I, live, I grew up in a dysfunctional family, and some of the kids today, I'm like, I'm in a dysfunctional family. I mean, here's the deal. I'm telling you, Joseph's in the middle of dysfunction. His brothers grabbed him. They hate him so much. They hate him so much. I'm going to throw you into a pit, and we're going to decide how we're going to kill you. Can you imagine looking at your brother doing that? Can you imagine being Joseph and seeing the hatred on all 11 of your brothers wanting you to die? Right? Guys, when we read the Bible, don't just read the the, the, the facts. Put yourself in the situation. Can you imagine hating your own flesh and blood that much? Or can can you imagine being hated that much? And they throw him into this pit. Not only that, then his brother said, you know what, let's not kill him because we can't make any money on killing him. Plus, we have to answer to God for that. You know what, let's sell him into slavery. So they sold him into slavery. We hate his guts. We hate him. We don't want to ever see him again. We are going to sell him as a slave. Can you imagine being Joseph and your own flesh and blood sell you off? You're 17 years old. Guys, 17. How many of you guys are 17? Any 17-year-olds? Se- All right. We got, we, got a, we, got, we got a one seven. 17. Can you imagine brothers hating you so much to sell you? Right? So the thing is, is this. They sold him into slavery. He is now taken down to Egypt. And he sold a second time. He was sold to the Ishmaelites, and then the Ishmaelites sell him to an Egyptian named Potiphar. Man. I think about dysfunction here. Yet, he finds himself. So, so one of the things that Pastor Paul talked about on Wednesday this last week 
Sometimes we get so caught up in generational curses, right? We say, well, my mom, my dad, they did this, so that's why I'm the way that I am. And I hope that you listen to me, teenagers, because if we're going to, if, if anybody should get to, should, should find this message relevant, it should be you because this is a story of a 17-year-old boy. But here's the deal. So many times we blame our actions, our behaviors, our attitudes on our parents. Well, because my parents did this, I do this. And, and I love how Pastor Paul says, no, you did that because you did that. You chose So if your parent is an alcoholic or your parent is a drug addict and you say, well, I'm doing drugs because my parents know you're doing drugs because you wanted to do drugs. That's it. Now, they may have modeled and given an example, but you don't have to follow the example. Here's the deal. He was surrounded by hate and yet he refused to be hateful. Come on, right? Where's that? Come on. Right? You could be surrounded by hate in your whole family. Your family, your parents, the the adults, they could hate everyone. You don't have to be hateful. They could be addicted to all kinds of substances. You don't have to be addicted. So what he shows us right here is I'm going to persevere. I'm going to overcome a dysfunctional family. So just because you may have or experience or have grown up in a dysfunctional family, that is not your excuse and you don't get to use it. No excuses here. No excuses. You make the decision to be who God called you out to be. That's Joseph. Joseph's like, God gave me a dream. Here we go. So the second thing I want you to see here is Joseph followed the Lord, not his brothers. I love that. I love that. See, he could have followed the example and the behaviors and the attitudes. He could have used them selling him into slavery or hating him, and he could have allowed that to be his excuse to hate others. And yet he didn't. Don't you ever use somebody else's behavior as your excuse to sin. Don't do it. You can follow the Lord if you're the only one in your family to do it. Right? That's what we can learn from Joseph. The second thing is this. As the story progresses, Joseph then, the second thing, we see him persevere through a dysfunctional family. Now we're going to see Joseph persevering through slavery. So he was sold as a slave. He, he belongs to Potiphar. Now Potiphar, I love this, how it says the Lord was with Joseph. So just because Joseph was hated just because he was sold by his own brothers. The Lord was still with him. So the Lord didn't leave him because his brothers threw him out with the trash. You guys following me? Just because somebody treats you bad doesn't mean that God's not with you. So Joseph was treated terribly and yet God was still with him. That doesn't mean just because God's with me doesn't mean I'm not going to have obstacles. It doesn't mean that the bad things aren't going to happen to me. You guys following, right? So that's just a part of life, guys. It, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. So why is it a shock? But in my trouble, God is with me. So the Lord was with Joseph, and he was successful. Well, he's a slave. How can he be successful? Whatever he did, God was with him and blessed it. Check this out. This is so beautiful. So he was a successful man and was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. 
Potiphar didn't know the Lord, but he knew that whoever the Lord is is with this guy. I mean, here's what he knows. He doesn't know the God of the Israelites because the Israelites don't exist yet. But what he did know is he watched Joseph and he knew that what happened was in Joseph's life was bigger than Joseph. Have you ever met somebody that was living life larger than them? That they were still successful though crushed and they were still had joy when everything around them was crumbling. So what happened is Joseph followed the Lord even when he was a slave. And so the master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did prosper. So Joseph found favor in the sight, in his sight, and what? Served him. When I think about this, I think about this. Wouldn't this be an easy point to just say, you know what? I was born free. I should be free. And I won't serve anyone. And just cross your arms and legs and sit down on the ground and say, I'm not doing nothing. Wouldn't this be an easy point to like, you know what? My life is over because I'm never going to be able to be my own. I'm always going to belong to someone else. See, think about this. He's 17 years old. There's no future for him. There's no marriage for him. There's no family. He's away from his family. He'll never see them again. He's never going to have any of the inheritance that was promised to him. He has nothing. And in other words, he's sitting there and he goes, my life is over, but he doesn't quit. In this moment, most people would say, my life is over. I just want to die. Instead, he says, you know what? I found favor with my master, and I'm going to serve him. Check this out. Joseph served the Lord, even if it meant serving others. He served the Lord. God is my God, and God placed me here, so here's where I am, and I'm going to do the Lord justice. So if God has placed me in slavery, then I'm going to be the best slave that I can be. Man, what if we had a heart like Joseph? What would this world look like if we were more like Joseph? God, you put me in a, I'm in a very tough situation, and yet, God, God I'm just going to serve you in this situation. So I'm a slave, so I'm going to be the best one, and I'm going to represent you well. I mean, did he, he wasn't excited about this, but he didn't give up in it. This isn't what he wanted, but he didn't quit. Well, that wasn't the end. He's a, he's a slave. Everything is happening. So, so the master, his master Potiphar, looks at him and is like, wow, you're great, and put him in charge of everything. So Joseph now... He's working up the ranks, a young, young man, still 17, 18, 19 years old, under 20, I'm sure by this point. So everything that he does, the master says, wow, he's doing a really good job. I'm putting him in charge of everything. Well, you know, when, when, when you start gaining a little bit of popularity, right, gaining a little popularity, people start noticing. I met my wife at church camp. I was a counselor and she was a campee. She was an older camper. And no, I did not have a crush on her at that point. She was, you know, knees and elbows. Just saying, you know, she was young and I was older and I was getting ready to go to the next phase of my life and she was just getting ready to go into like middle school type of thing. And I'm, you know, so the thing is though is, but, but when, when, I, when I was in college, I was a senior and she was an incoming freshman. 
Oh, I recognize her there. She's like, Danny. Nobody called me Danny except for my family, by the way. And, and, and you guys can call me Danny, but that, you know, my name's Daniel, but only my family, my grandma always called me Danny. So anyone that knew my grandma often called me Danny because my grandma called me Danny all the time. And so I'm at college, and no one knew my first name at college because Yoder is a very unique name. Everyone, my professors were Mr. Yoder. Miss, I was just Yoder. On my football helmet, it was Yoder. It didn't, nobody knew my first name. And all of a sudden, out of this freshman class of kids coming through, this little blonde goes, Danny. Yes, ma'am, I am. That's me. Sure. <laughs> I'm your huckleberry right here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So what happens is, is as, as and, and I, was, I was in college, okay, I'm a squirrel now, but man, I was a squirrel on Mountain Dew. I was a, in college, I was like a jacked up spider monkey. I'm just telling you, I mean, man, I was running all over the place. I, I, I was way more hyper and crazy than I am now. Um, I'm just now just easily distracted. I'm just an old squirrel that's like, what, what, what? So, but anyways, and so, you know, I was pretty pop. Everyone knew me because I was just a crazy kid running all over campus. It was a small college. It wasn't a big one. Anyways, and so, but the thing was is then all of a sudden, you know, what happens with, with a little bit of popularity and a little bit of authority, people start taking notice. Well, here's the thing. In Joseph's life, it's not any different. He gets all this power and authority, and people liked him, and, and God was with him. Guys, have you ever found out that that's, that's kind of an attractive thing? You know, what I'm, I'm attracted to my wife about is how much she loves the Lord. I am attracted to that. I mean, she's smoking hot too, but I mean, like, like I'm, attracted, I'm attracted to her love for God. Okay? So what happens is this. Here's a, here's a young man who loves God and is a great servant. Potiphar's wife says, I like this guy. She goes, Would you, I want you to sleep with me. And he says, oh, no. Yeah, yeah, no. So, Joseph perseveres with integ- integrity and intact. So, here's what he replies. She says, you come sleep with me. Now, she's the master's wife. She would hold a lot of authority. She wants what he has. I want a little bit of what you've got. And he says, no, there's no one greater in this house than I, nor has he, that's Potiphar, my master, kept anything back from me but you because you're his wife how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God it wasn't so here's the thing he's living in Egypt and every uh, they're not following God who has honor and integrity and character and, and our God is constantly saying hey I want you to live a right life I want you to do the right thing right they're following God so here's the deal we have God, and then we have everything else. Everything else is not about morals. It's about do whatever you want to do. So here, he understands, I'm, I want to honor God. I can't do such a great, wicked thing against God. Wouldn't it have been easy to say, well, God let you get here? Why does it matter? Right? We live in a world that says, hey, look at where your life is. God's not looking out for you. And all the reality is this whole entire story, as it unfolds, God is exactly looking out for him. He just doesn't know how yet because he doesn't have the why are you doing this thing yet. So what he does know is this. He knows God is with me and I don't want to screw that up. See, Joseph did the right thing even when everyone else was doing the wrong thing. We live in a world that says, hey, 
everyone else is doing it. Right? I mean, can you imagine how difficult it is to be a Christian in this world? We all should know. Everyone else is not. And people who say they're Christians are doing it. Right? I mean, here we're talking about, here, here he's struggling with, you know, the temptation is sexual immorality, right? So we have this temptation of sexual immorality. Well, everyone else is doing it. Isn't that today's world is everyone is doing it? See, the problem is this. The moment we begin to live like that, everyone else is doing it. We're not then looking to God. We're looking to the world. Well, this is what the world says, and I, hey, that person's a Christian and they're doing it. Well, this person says they're a Christian and they're doing it. Well, it must be okay. You're not holding yourself to the standard of God. You're holding your standard to other people. I only got a couple amens out of that. I mean, the, the kids have like checked out. They're like, I am not getting involved in this sermon at all. You had me at persevering over a dysfunctional family. You should see my parents, but don't start talking about sexual immorality you see what you know what character is? I love the definition of character. Um, Henry Blackaby does it the best. He says it's four parts. One, what I do when no one's looking. So when no one's watching you and you think you're alone, what are you looking at? What are you listening to? What are you watching? What do you stand for when everyone's watching? When everyone's doing the wrong thing, are you doing the right thing? Or when the whole crowd is doing the wrong thing, do you follow in? See, that's a lot of the world. Well, everyone else is doing a wrong thing. You are a Christian, and every, all the other kids are drinking. Well, it must be okay for me to drink. Everyone else is doing it. No! Character says, I don't care what the rest of the world is. I want to do what God wants me to do. <laughs> Joseph persevered when everyone else was doing the wrong thing. What will you do when everyone else is doing the wrong thing? Never give up on your character. Never give up on your integrity. And some of us sitting in here goes, well, I wished I would have heard this sermon a year ago, five months ago, six months ago, right? I mean, some of us are like, man, I missed that. Here's the deal. Just because you made a mistake doesn't mean you have to do it again. Come on now. What I love about God is he's a God of second chances. Come on, somebody. He is the God of second chances. He's the God of fresh starts and new beginnings. So you may have lost your virginity, but you know what? Say, God, forgive me of that, and now let's start it again. And this time I'm following you when everyone else is not. It's not too late to regain the purity. So sick and tired of how we mess up and then we're like, well, I'm just going to go ahead. I'm already messed up. I'm barreling down through here. No, you stop messing up and you say, God, I'm sorry. He says, okay, child, I love you. We're going to forgive you. And now let's go. Let's do it right from here on. Let's do it right from this point on. Man, what would... What would the world look like if Christians had a heart like Joseph and said, you know what, everyone else is sinning, but I'm not. How can I do such a great wickedness against God? I'm sweating. I was anticipating a cold church this morning. I was wrong. 
All right. The heater works in this place, or it's just me. I mean, not, you know. So anyways, all right, moving on. All right, so here we go. Joseph perseveres not only. So here's what happens. Don't, don't read the slide yet. I'm just kidding. You're already reading it now. I just suggested it, and now you're doing it. So here's what I, 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 here's what I love about that story. So she says, you come sleep with me. And he goes, no, I'm not going to do such a great wickedness and sin against God. She grabs a hold of him to force it. Okay? She grabs a hold of his shirt, and he takes off. She's holding the shirt, and he's gone. I am not doing this. Sometimes when the temptation is strong, you run. You just run, and you don't stop running. I'm not, I got to get out of this house. I got to get out of this car. I got to get out of this situation. And you run out that door. Run away. But here's the deal is she lied. She says, oh, Potiphar, he tried to sleep with me. She lied, she deceived, and Potiphar believed her. He's wrongly accused and now falsely imprisoned. Joseph's master took him and put him in the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in the prison. Joseph now perseveres. Not only has he persevered a dysfunctional family who hated him, who sold him into slavery. Joseph persevered through, through um, slavery, and then he persevered with his character and integrity intact, and now he's persevering through imprisonment, false imprisonment. Look at verse 21. I highlighted it for you. But the Lord was with Joseph. You see, the Lord was with him when he gave him a dream and everything was going great and he shared his dream. He was with him when the brothers hated him and he was in a dysfunctional family. He was with him when he got sold into slavery. He was with him when he was falsely accused and he was with him when he was in prison. God doesn't leave you. He doesn't leave you. He doesn't quit you. He doesn't forsake you. So no matter what's going on in your life, and you may be feeling attacked, people may be lying about you, whatever it is, God doesn't leave you just because other people do. Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper in prison. The very next verse, and the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners. So here's what happens. Here he is a prisoner, and he goes, wow, God is with you. Doesn't even know who his God is, but he's with you. Your God's with you. You're in charge of all the prisoners. So now a prisoner is in charge of the prison. Huh. Like, that's pretty awesome. You see, Joseph serves the Lord by making the most of a terrible situation. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being Joseph there for a moment, though? God, I did the right thing when everyone else did the wrong thing. She lied. And now I'm in prison, God. I don't understand how you're with me. See, it says the Lord's with me. If you're with me, God, then why does everything keep falling apart? Has anybody ever said that? God, if you're with me, then why does everything stink right now? Only four of you? Guys, I'm going to have to go change the hero series to a villain series and find the biggest liar in the Bible and talk about that. Come on. I mean, how many times when things go bad, we're like, God, if you're with me, why this? You see, 
It would have been easy for Joseph to do that, right? Wouldn't it have been easy for Joseph in that moment to say, you know what, God, I'm done. If this is what you being with me looks like, please stop, right? It's kind of like, you know, how, how kids, when, they, when they're in like elementary school, I remember when, when girls would flirt with you in, in elementary school, they would punch you, right? Like, Dad, why is that girl always hitting me? She likes you. Like me less. I mean, come on, right? God, if you love me, and this is what love is, love me less right now. Your love hurts, you know? But here's the thing is, is that Joseph is serving the Lord. And you know what? So even while he's in prison, he says, okay, here we are. It's kind of like this. If you get arrested, it's time to start a prison ministry. Right? If any of you guys get arrested, call me. My first question is, have you started a jail ministry yet? No. Call me tomorrow. Get the ministry going. You're on the inside. Now we have someone on the inside. All right? Let's get some people saved while we're there. But how many times do we get in a terrible situation and we forget about God and we forget that God doesn't make mistakes and we forget that maybe God has you there for a reason? Maybe you got sick and he put you in a hospital because that nurse that's coming to check on you needs to hear about Jesus. Maybe he put you in the middle of a neighborhood and your neighbors are total jerks and they just need to get saved. Maybe he put you into a school that's going crazy right now and maybe he needs you to go against the grain and be an example of what Christianity really looks like. You see, God doesn't make mistakes. It's not a mistake that God has him in jail because what ends up happening in this amazing story, and as it unfolds, there's two guys that get sent to jail because Pharaoh was angry with them. When you're the king, you can kind of do whatever you want to do. So he doesn't like his baker, and he doesn't like his butler who brings him the wine. And he sends both of them to jail. They're in jail, and they have a dream. Well, guess who's in charge of the jail? Come on, who's in charge of the jail? Joseph is! Well, Joseph can't be in charge of the jail if he's not in jail. So Joseph's in charge of the jail, and now there's two guys that come and they have a dream. The, 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 the baker has a dream that, well, he, he dies. Not a, not a good outcome to his dream. But the baker, or the butler, has a dream, and, and the, the interpretation of the dream is that he's restored. So here's what happens. So then he says, here's what God says. This dream means this. In three days, your head's coming off, and you are being restored. So then he says, well, I'm not going to have a conversation anymore with, with the baker because that's only going to last for three days. So, but here's what he says. He says, he says to the, the butler, remember me. Look at this verse. But remember me when it is well with you. Remember, I'm telling you right now, you're going to be fine. Three days, you're going to be restored. And please show kindness to me. Make mention of me to the Pharaoh. Get me out of this house. Get me out of this place. For indeed, I was stolen away from the land of the Hebrews. And I also have done nothing here that should put me in this dungeon. Yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Joseph perseveres, though forgotten. I want you to, guys, don't miss this. This is his moment to get out. The butler is about to be restored. This must be it. Can you imagine being him right there? Everything's been going down. This is the turning point. Right now, Joseph's like, whoa, this is a turning point. This is the moment that everything changes. 
Just don't forget me. Don't forget me. When you get out of here. Two years he was forgotten. So we know at least, at least he was in prison for two years. We know that he was a slave and in jail for a total of 13 years. 13 years either being a slave or in jail. 13 years. 13 years. That's a long time for things to be going bad. You think that the week that you're having is bad? Try 13 years. You think that, the, that, that what you're going through is bad? 13 years of being a slave and in jail falsely. You didn't do anything wrong to be there. Genesis 41, then it came to pass at the end of two years. At the end of two years, Pharaoh had a dream. There is a reason that God left him there. He just didn't know the reason. You see, here's the hard part. you got to trust God. you got to trust God. You have to trust God. I'm here for a reason. I need to trust God because God has a plan. But the plan, it took two years to come to the point of where there's a dream. God's timing is perfect. Yours isn't. If it was up to Joseph, he would not have been sold into slavery. If it was up to Joseph, he would have been out of jail running for home two years prior to this, and that dream would never have come true. Joseph served the Lord even when it seemed he was forgotten. So here we go. Genesis 41, Pharaoh had a dream. The chief butler, so, so here's, here's Pharaoh has a dream. I'm not, I'm not going to apologize for a long sermon, all right? It's, it's, it, we're, we're getting closer. I'll, I'll, I'll say that. We're getting closer. You're going to remember this story, though. At the end, so, so Pharaoh has this dream, and, and this dream is seven cows come up, and then seven skinny cows eat the seven fat cows, and he's like, I don't know what this means. Why are cows eating cows? I mean, that's kind of weird all the way. But he has these dreams. None of his sorcerers could, 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 could interpret it. None of the, uh, of the officials, none of his leadership, no one in all of the land of Egypt could tell him what that dream means. Then all of a sudden, so here's Pharaoh. He's now losing sleep. I don't want to go to sleep because I don't want to have any more dreams about cows you know, you, you've heard of zombies, but I didn't know that there was cow zombies. Well, there's some cow zombies going on here, and I don't want to go to bed tonight. So here's this, this Pharaoh that's stressed out to the max. He doesn't want to go to bed. He's all stressed out, and all of a sudden the butler goes, oh, I remember my fault this day. It's been two years, butler! Two years! But now he remembers. He went to the Pharaoh, and he said, um, he said, hey, there's a guy that interpreted all my dreams, and they exactly came true. So then Pharaoh says, hey, get him a bath, give him a shave, and get him some clean clothes, and now he comes. Verse 15, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a, had a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it, but I have heard it said of you that you can understand a dream to interpret it. So Joseph answered Pharaoh saying, it's not me, God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. You see, he's still, after 13 years, he's still saying, it's God. It's not me, it's God. 13 years and it's still God. It's 13 years of terrible, 13 years of turmoil, 13 years of obstacles, 13 years of slavery and jail. 
It's God. It's God, it's God, it's God, it's God. So you may have been forgotten by man, but you are never forsaken by God. Man may forget you, man may lie, man may throw you into prison and throw away the key. God doesn't forsake you. He promises he'll never leave you nor forsake you. God had a plan the whole point. This is the turning point. This is the turning point. So now he's out of jail. He's got a shower. He's got some clean clothes and shaved. He's looking good. He's standing before the Pharaoh. He says, God is going to give you the interpretation. Now listen to this. So here we go. Now, therefore, let Pharaoh select. Okay, so what happens is this. He tells them exactly what the the dream means. It means there's seven years of good and plentiful. We're going to have harvest. It's going to be great. Seven years, it's going to be amazing. But then there's going to be seven years of a famine that's going to make the seven good years look really bad. So we're going to have seven good years, but then seven bad years that are worse than the good. So you need to select a discerning and wise man and set him over all the land of Egypt. So what he's doing is like, here's what God says. God says, this is what's going to happen. And now here is what God says you should do. You need to find someone who's smart and wise, and you need to turn them over the entire land of of Egypt. And then he says, what you're going to do is out of all the harvest, you're going to take one fifth and you're going to keep them in all the towns. And we're going to build bins and we're going to do this and we're going to do this. He lays out a whole plan. And Pharaoh then looks around to his advisors and he says well can we find such a one as this man whom the spirit of god like are we going to find anyone who can do this but this guy so at this moment then pharaoh says you're in charge you're in charge there's only one person above you and that's me can you imagine going from being a prisoner in jail to the second highest authority in a major nation just like See, Joseph never quit following the Lord. Therefore, God's presence was always with him. I love that. His, God was always with him. And so because God was always with him, people recognize that. If you've ever been around somebody that God is with, and you're just like, I just want to be around that dude a little bit more. I feel better when I'm with that person. I feel great when I'm with that person because I know God is with them. All right, so Joseph said to, okay, so here's the next part of the story. I have to read the first line to see where we're at in the story. Okay, so he's the second highest of all the land, right? So he's now saving all the, 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 all the, the, the but no one else knows about this famine. Now famine is happening everywhere. Well, guess what? His brothers get hungry. His dad, who rebuked him at 17 years old, sent his brothers who hated him and sold him into slavery to go get food. Well, guess who's in charge of the food? Come on, who's in charge of the food? Joseph's in charge of the food. He's in charge of the food. So his brothers show up. He recognized them. They don't recognize him because he now looks like an Egyptian. They show up, and he says, please come. So he, he, I'm not going to tell all the little pieces of that. You guys go read the story. But what he ends up doing is he pulls them into an inner room, and he says, come here to me. They came near and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Can you imagine at this moment, they know who he is. There's no one higher than that dude. We're dead, right? I mean, if you were one of his brothers said, oh, we hated him. We, sold, we were going to kill him. We sold him into slavery and now he's in charge. What do you think they did? Huh? What do you think he did? 
They bowed, just like his dream said when he was 17 years old. It only took 22 years to get there. 22 years and his dream was fulfilled. And look what he says. But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here for God sent me before you to preserve your life. Don't be mad at yourself for being a jerk to me. God put me here, not you. What a perspective. Is this the kind of perspective we have when our life is falling apart? Huh? God put me here. Don't be upset for being a jerk. Don't worry about it. Don't grieve yourself. I went all through that for God to put me here to preserve the things that needed to be preserved. So in other words, thank you, brothers. Don't be upset with yourself. Don't be grieved. I can't believe it. I've been like, throw them in jail for a little while. Let's go sell them. Let's put them on the selling block. Right? God sent me before you to preserve a, a posterity for you. You sold me. You hated me. But God sent me. Hold on. You sold me, but God sent me. Huh? Is there anybody in your life that sold you out, that have sent you away? They sent you. They sold you. They lied. They deceived. They cheated. They stole. But God sent. Hmm? Hmm? Maybe the thing that you're going through right now, God sent you. God bless you boys. You, you shut off the, the, the clock for me. They're like, well, this is getting good. We do not want him to see the clock right now. <laughs> you know the sermon's going well when they shut off the clock or it's going really long. So one more slide, promise. <clears throat> All right, so Joseph with perseverance, he saw his pur- purpose. I want you to, he saw his purpose despite the circumstances, Right? He saw his purpose. Right here is so beautiful. He saw his purpose. God, God, you sold me, but God sent me so that I could look out for your life. They wanted to kill him. I'm going to save you. What? Jesus said, you've heard it said, hate your enemies, but I say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Save the life of those who took your life? Is that not a teaching of Jesus if I've ever seen one? That's why he's a hero of the faith. An Old Testament living out the New Testament principle. So, our purpose in this church is finding freedom to walk in purpose. You see, God created you with purpose. But we get so caught up, we get so caught up In our failures and in our obstacles, we get so focused on the obstacle or our failure or the opposition that's in our life that we forget the purpose. Your purpose is higher than the bondage in your life. See, even though he was in bondage and slavery, God had a higher purpose and he got it. 
he understood God's in charge. God's got me here. God's going to get me out of this. I'm just going to rest on him. I'm just going to wait on him. So Ephesians 2.10 says that for we are his workmanship. You hear that? His, not yours. His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared before that we should walk in them. Jeremiah 29.11, one of my, my daughter's favorite verses. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, Plans to give you a hope and a future. I, so who knows who's the I? God. God knows the plans he has for you. You see, he knew the plans he had for Joseph, and that was going to be, I'm going to have you save Israel before Israel exists. And the only way I can do that is through your dumb brothers. They're going to have to hate you and sell you to slavery. I'm going to have to get you over to Egypt, where all the crops are, so that you can save this mess. Maybe what you're going through is exactly where you need to be. And maybe we go through some of these trials and obstacles to learn how to lead. My mentor once told me, I was like, I, I'm ready to resign a church. I am done. I am not this one. And I was like, I don't even want to be a pastor anymore. And he goes, Daniel, you're just in college. I already got my degree. And he goes, yeah, not a good one, you know. Like, you're in college right now. God is teaching you how to be a leader. Why can't I read a book? I would rather read a book. Nope, you got to learn it. You got to develop. Well, here's a 17 year old boy sold into slavery, hated by his family, sold into slavery, lied and deceived, treated, thrown into prison. 13 years later, now he's a leader over all of Egypt. That didn't happen overnight, did it? He didn't read a book for that. Romans 9, 17, which is our mission verse for this church. For this very purpose, I've raised you up. Come on. For this very purpose. God has a purpose for you, and he's raising you up for that purpose. And check this out. What that purpose is, is that he can show his power, and that his name would be declared in all the earth. For this very purpose, I have raised you up. So there's a purpose. God is raising you up. You may be right now in the point of your life. You may be in the valley. You may be in some bondage right now that you're trying to get over some addictions in your life. You may be struggling with some dysfunctional relationships in your life right now. You may be, in a, 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 you may be hanging upside down, hanging out of a tree right now. But what, what happens is God is right now, he is raising you. It's, this, this is a, 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 a kind of a, a continuous thing. He's raising you up. So you may be right here in the raising part. It may take 13 years to get you where he needs you. He's raising you up so that he may show his power in you and that his name would be declared in all the areas he's placing you. That's what God wants to do in your life, in your life. So let us bow our heads. I want to challenge us. Maybe we need to start thanking God for some of the obstacles in our life. Maybe some of you wives need to thank God for your husband. He's just helped growing you right now. 
Or maybe you husbands need to be thanking God for your wife. She's just going to raise you into a greater and better leader. Sometimes we look at our obstacles or our opposition or the things going wrong in our life and we allow the circumstances, we allow these circumstances to dictate our behavior. What if these circumstances that God has you in right now is to raise you up so that he can send you out? So maybe today we need to come to this altar and maybe we need to lay some things down. Maybe we need to say, God, I'm sorry that I've been so hard-headed. Sorry that I've been fighting against your timing. Maybe today is the day that we say, God, I'm going to persevere. Maybe your marriage needs some perseverance. Maybe your children need to have a never quit example lived out before them. Maybe you've been so quick to give up and so quick to quit that we need to say, God, I'm going to persevere. God, I'm going to run this race that you marked out for me. And and Lord, when I'm walking and running and this race is going through a valley, God, I'm going through the valley and you will be my God in the valley. I'm not gonna just worship you on the mountaintop and when it's good, God, I'm gonna praise you in the middle of a storm. God, I'm gonna let you display your power through my life in the worst of times. God, I promise I'm never going to give up. I'm never going to give up on my marriage. I'm never going to give up on my kids. I'm never going to give up on my parents. I'm never going to give up on on, on, on just life. God, whatever it is, may we learn something today that we could take with us the rest of our life.